This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird, but love it anyway. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a professor and biblical scholar, and I'm now the parent of a middle schooler, and everything everyone said about it was true, and it's adorable <laughs> and painful. Oh, my name is Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and I once thought I was raptured when I woke up from a nap as a child and my parents were gone. Oh, classic. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. A topic that will never, ever grow old. We'll look at some recent appropriations of the beast mark language around vaccine passports. I have a passport and I'm vaccinated. Let's do this, America. That comment won't age well if it turns out that the conspiracies (laughs) are true. Ah, stop it. Join us. Join us. All right, look. We need to do dramatic reading of Revelation chapter 13. You got to set the mood. Set the mood. We got to set the mood. Let's, what, which, which translation should we read it in? The Bible's been translated into so many tongues. Whoa. Well, let's do, I mean, for Revelation, mm-hmm. we got to do King James. Oh, you got to go bigger. Go like home. the real King James. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it. The real King James as it's come down to us. The real, real King James sounds like original Shakespeare and has that kind of spelling. But mm-hmm. there's actually an update mm-hmm. that was done in the 1800s, which is what we typically call the old King James the today. King James. And that's what yes. we're reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, I, I agree. And I'm there. Should we like go verse by verse? We should. We oh, should. I like it. Okay. Get in the mood. Are you going to start? Okay. This is heavy. Let's do this. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of the lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. 
and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark on in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he had that hat, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is written, or for it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Oh man, it was so fun to read. Dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. My favorite part was exerciseth. Exerciseth. <laughs> that is it's not a word twister. that you say. I, I really enjoyed reading it in this translation. Mm, same. I love the King James uh, Version. It was, you know, uh, you maketh fire come down. Okay, this is a great example of a chapter of the Bible where to me, and, and I feel like a lot of the Bible is like this. So if you feel mm-hmm. like this, I mm-hmm. want to validate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it makes no sense at all. Yet it is weird. It's like so complicated. I can't even follow the plot. And yet it is weirdly comprehensible too. Like you can kind of get the big picture without even knowing what in the world they're talking about. Well, I think you brought it up earlier by com- by noting that the original King James sounds a lot like Shakespeare. Yeah. Because I think that that same that same sort of thing happens to me when I go to a Shakespeare play, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get lost in yes. a sentence, oh, I know but I understand saying. the overall thing yeah, very, very well. You get it. Like you get what's, yeah, it's almost like watching a movie in another language, but you can tell by the action what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you, okay, like what's the plot here? We can tell that there are like a couple of beasts maybe. Maybe there's one, maybe there's five. There's like many numbers of crowns and things. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. The idea is there are these blasphemous individuals and um, they're going to like rule over the world and, and people will commit idolatry to them and they're going to make you get some kind of number Otherwise, you can't buy or sell things, which seems terrifying, actually. I, as you know, because I've said this many times, Revelation is my favorite book of the Bible. Mm. I just love the imagery. And as a kid, I used to read it, which it's a very violent and gory and sort of, I don't think that it's far off to say that if it were made into a movie, you could... You could put it in the horror camp oh, um, or totally. sci-fi. So I like those kind of genres. And I just, oh, I get yeah. so caught up in the the beauty and the terror. Oh. I don't know if you feel that way. Oh, I totally I do. I totally do. I could be like, yeah, I'm bored of the Bible. I'm a Bible study scholar. I don't care. I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible in the original languages. I don't care. I don't and, care. Then I'm like, with it. and then Revelation. I go back and I read it and it just, it has this power to like yank you by the hair, yank me by the hair right back. Mm-hmm. Like right mm-hmm. back into those feelings of fearing that people will be raptured without you. As oh, you. yes. Uh, you, you know, that like right back into it. Um, and, and it has this almost like uh, just a very like primal incantation to it mm-hmm. like it's rhythm mm-hmm. um okay this thing though about i mean just just as you read it just just on the basis of the text without making any leaps into the present day when you hear this thing about the not buying or selling except for the mark on the hand or the forehead how are you are you like imagining that as like a literal mark are you imagining it as as this it doesn't say that the yeah i guess the mark is the number like is it that you get 666 written on your head are they saying that the number is the mark or this is a different mark well, to be honest, I cannot read it outside of the religious community that that like created my yeah. own theological and religious imagination as a child. So I can't see it outside yeah. of the kind of rapture culture. How did that you was, see, but how did you see it in that culture? Like what was it? Well, I grew up in a um charismatic 
Pentecostal household. And by that time in charismatic um, world culture, they were really interested in what scholars call a premillennial dispensational reading mm-hmm. of apocalyptic texts. And that there's so much technical language that I just used there. But the idea is basically this. Christians, most Christians would agree that time is going in a particular direction. It's linear. It's linear. Headed somewhere. And it's headed toward this um, reestablishment of God's perfect city, right? The new Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And we get a lot of those ideas from Revelation. And premillennial dispensationalists interpret the events of the book of Revelation in a in a peculiar or specific kind of a way. Mm-hmm. They basically say there's a moment in Revelation, I can't even remember what chapter it is, where they talk about a thousand year reign mm-hmm. of of um who they believe to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. And premillennial peoples argue that that there will be something called the rapture where everyone is taken up that where Christians, the faithful Christians, are taken up to be with God. They meet God in the mm-hmm, air, and mm-hmm. it's like a conglomeration of all these New Testament scriptures mm-hmm. in, in apocalyptic texts. And then then um, there will be a period of intense suffering called the tribulation, and that's where all of this stuff is going to happen. Revelation oh, so, 13. So the mark, you of, the, know the mark of the beast stuff. is happening during the tribulation. Yes. Uh, and so this is like when a time when people who had not been faithful mm-hmm. are going to be like put through this really difficult time. That's how most premillennial dispensationalists interpret it. Did you grow up in, I know that you grew up in a charismatic background. Did you all have that kind of structure yeah, well, to your imagination? You know, it existed. I think I never, I never caught all the structure. I, I one book I read, which was one of the first books I read, which is, is a kind of a terrifying fact was uh-huh. by a certain individual named Hal Lindsey, the late oh, great yes. planet earth Oh yes. was, I learned later one of the best, the best selling American book of the entire, decade of the 1970s considered as a whole you cannot overestimate how powerful that book was if you haven't read that book friends out there if you're religious if you're not if you're christian yeah. if you identify with this you just read that just book for entertainment. to just know what gripped the hearts of americans during the 1970s well it's funny because i just reread it i actually listened to it oh um because for my own research mm-hmm. and it was such a fascinating experience because it's yeah. just this it, it actually reminded me, because I've read, for, for religion scholars, if you've read L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. Oh, I never it, have. Oh, man. It sounds a lot like that. Really? Where you just use all these, a lot of times completely out of context, misappropriated mm-hmm. ancient philosophers, mm-hmm. um, modern um, at one point he refers to modern psychics. And, yes. I mean, it's just this fascinating like oh. conglomeration. And then, according to Lindsay, Basically, he updates premillennial dispensationalism, which is a 19th century idea that he makes, you know, and it's, I don't know. How did it make you feel as a child? Oh, it made me, it filled me with wonder Mm. and terror. It filled me with excitement in a way. I don't think I was actually afraid of it, but, uh, you know, maybe as a a young, you know, nine-year-old or whatever I was, Uh I I couldn't quite parse out the emotions of fear and excitement and so on. Because he's talking about like nuclear war, many people Mm -hmm. dying, Mm -hmm. you know, this idea like, uh, it's pretty terrifying stuff. And he has all these like weird phrases like, and, and chapter titles and headings, like what's your game, Gog? And yes. like stuff like that. I, yes. just, I remember that phrase somehow come from the book. So uh, yes. Okay, but there are two ways. When, when I think about this passage, mm-hmm. there are kind of like two, there are two directions I feel like you could go if you just as a reader mm-hmm. in thinking about mm-hmm. this, and maybe they're obvious with the mark. One is to say, 
that, okay, we're a reader who's, who's in this spiritual stream of the book is supposed to think that there will be a literal mark on your head or your, or, or your hand. Maybe it's the number 666 or some other thing, but a literal physical mark. And it's very obvious. And that will determine whether you can buy or sell. So it's a kind of a mark, a, a, a way of persecuting people who don't conform to the system, the satanic system here. Now, And, and back in the day, like how yeah. Lindsay Day, people thought that that mark was most likely something like a credit card. Which which is already a leap, though, of from the literal words of the text. Because the <laughs> right. text actually, he causes both to receive the mark on the right hand and no one da-da-da-da-da. Um, and no one that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. It's kind of weird. It makes it sound as though you could get the mark or the name of the beast or the You've number. got options. You've got so options. Like, which yeah. one do you want? Do you want the name, the number, or like, the mark? Are you paying with cash today? No, no I'm paying with credit. I'm paying with the it's mark like, of the beast I've got today. This, this mark. Yeah. yeah. So, so even there, there are like options. But the other one would be to say, and I guess this is one, like, as I grew up, I started to embrace this idea more as a kind of interpretive idea or a spiritual idea that what the author's talking about here is more like kind of like a world system, maybe even one that we're living in already, mm-hmm. where, in fact, you part- it almost uh, harkens back to the good place. Yes. Um, show the idea. One of the key plot points there was that really to participate in the, in the world system means you're constantly sinning. Yes. You're racking up yes. these points. Uh, you're, you're going <laughs> downward um, in your points, let's say. And so the idea like you participate, like you buy a pair of jeans and it's like, oh, great. I bought jeans. And it's like, well, who those made those jeans? In and, a sweat factory, right, 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 right. And so you go downhill. And so it could even like invade your life a little in a little bit of a more serious way. But people, as you know, keep appropriating this passage. And I wondered if we could play and comment upon a recent instance. Let's do it. This happened very recently where a U.S. um, House of Representatives member gave a 53-second appropriation of the mark of the beast language related to, well, let's wait and see. But this person is, and do you know this person, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Do you know Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yes, she is... A very skilled at generating media attention. She's very skilled. That was a finely parsed statement there. <laughs> she is skilled in the art she of generating attention on the media. Quite skilled. Um, she came to office um, in January of 2021 in the state of Georgia, 14th District. She is known for being a conspiracy theorist on several issues. Hardcore Trumper. Hardcore Trumper. She is has been into Pizzagate. QAnon, Mm -hmm. false flag shootings. In other words, saying that school shootings were fake. Um, 9-11 conspiracy theories. Yeah, Yeah, Alex Jones, that's right. Um, She called for the execution of democratic, prominent democratic politicians. I found this little fact about her though. I wondered what you make of this quickly um, on her Wikipedia page. Um, I'm reading from her Wikipedia page and it's linked and this is apparently this is true. In statements made during 2019 and in a House floor speech on February 2021 in which she explained her position on gun rights and school shootings, Green alluded to being affected by a September 1990 incident at her high school in which an armed student held other students hostage for over five hours. Quote, I understand how terrible it is because when I was 16 years old in 11th grade, my school was a gun-free school zone and one of my schoolmates brought guns to school and took our entire school hostage. Contemporaneous news reports note that the armed student held 53 students hostage. Whoa. I mean, do you think it's like too reductionistic to say like, does this play some role in her understanding of the world? Like being part of an event like that? Well, I mean, it would would certainly be formative in anyone's life. Yeah. Yeah. No matter who you are, what you are. So 
Wow, um, I didn't know that. I thought that was kind of a fascinating thing. Okay, so, um, and I'm looking at a video um, uh-huh. on a Twitter page called Right Wing Watch, but they've got um, the heading Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about a vaccine passport. There's the plot spoiler. Let's listen to her talk about this and uh, comment as we wish. They want you to be required to have something called a COVID passport. Okay, who's the they? Well, I'm assuming she's talking about the Biden administration, but I don't know. Like it's just a big thing. They is great, great language because oh, it's so vague. Correct. It's loaded. Love it. And this, this would mandate your ability to be able to travel, your ability to be able to go to events, your ability to be able to buy and sell. Oh, there it was. I, <laughs> you know, do you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but because you and I are so tuned to that language, yep. not just not just because of our backgrounds, but because of our disciplines. Yep. And so I sort of wonder, what if you had no familiarity with Christian texts right. at all, or right. or very low familiarity, and low familiarity with rapture culture, mm-hmm. this idea that, you know, premillennial yeah. dispensationalist, like, there are so many subcultures to it. What would you think she was even saying? Well, it shows you, though, how how distinct and how 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 insidery religious language is. It's, oh, it's yeah. the language of a, of a club. It's it's inside jokes, references. Okay, so but we already just hearing that phrase, right? We she, know she doesn't even have to. She doesn't even have to explain. She just has to use that phrase that's, by herself. That's the genius of employing that oh. kind of language. And I asked the question earlier today: Is this something like Biden's mark of the beast? B- Biden's mark of the beast. Because that is really disturbing and um, not good. It's disturbing and not good. Well, the vaccine passport. I. You know what's funny? When all this stuff was coming out, I decided to look into early 20th century Pentecostal records to see what were they talking about when other kinds of vaccination oh was was coming out so yeah. like polio mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it turns out they're kind of broken records um in really? certain circles you mean the same thing people a lot are of the same, the same language thing. yeah yeah really that is that's fascinating but it it kind of makes sense i mean because you're going to be worried about medical technologies that maybe you don't understand or don't understand perfectly or feel like you're not in control of. Sure. And then, I mean, you got to admit there's a certain brilliance to the buy or sell thing here and the vaccine passport. This makes a very good appropriation because it's almost like creating a, a sort of a, like a badge that very much has, regrettably, in my opinion, in American life, broken down along political lines mm-hmm. about, you know, so it's like, it's it's for whatever one thinks of the interpretation, it's a, it's a rather savvy and granted rather obvious appropriation. Well, what's interesting about, so there's so much talk right now about how biblical literacy is declining, which is certainly true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also that that people are less religious so a figure like her Mm -hmm. she challenges those notions i think in my mind because while it's certainly true that people read the bible less than they have Mm -hmm. um in many different venues right they don't read the bible as much in the public sphere in the classrooms and, and such she is clearly ringing a bell that other people are hearing oh yeah she's ringing it you know so so um I wouldn't even be surprised if people recognize that language and don't even under haven't even read that that chapter, but right. they understand that it's powerful right. and that it is connected to the Bible in some yep. sort of way. Yep. I don't know. I'm so fascinated with how, even in a post reading era, mm-hmm. those concepts have 
life. Oh, completely. She's in her living room here. I mean, this is a Facebook video. Mm -hmm. So it's like, she's wearing like a zip up hoodie or she's wearing a hoodie. So it's like, Mm. you know, this is all very casual. This is just Mm -hmm. like suburban mom kind of sitting there like doing this thing. And she's like Mark of the Beast. Let's listen on. Oh, if you're going to come into the football game or the baseball game or the concert, you need your vaccine passport because we're trying to do a good job to keep everyone safe. This is what the Biden administration is trying to talk to these private companies into doing. Well, let's analyze that. You see, it's still the same thing. It's still fascism. (gasps) Fascism. Oh, Marjorie. Okay. The last. I'm trying to be generous. The stunning final eight seconds. Or communism, whatever you want to call it. Fascism or communism. You could have either. Two different movements <laughs> historically, but let's not parse the finer points here. Okay. Okay. But it's in, it's coming from private companies. So I have a term for that. I call it corporate communism. Cor- that's the uh, end of the video. Well, she goes on and on, but that's the end of the clip here that I have. Corporate communism, the mark of the beast, fascism, Biden, the uh, COVID, football games, going to, your, going to your football games, your baseball games. Do you know what I think is so... This is this is something that I wasn't I was I wouldn't have been convinced could work until I saw Trump use it to great effect. Mm. People would always um anti-Trumpers would frequently talk about his press conferences and they would use phrases like word salad to <laughs> to talk about what he did because he would just throw these words out that didn't necessarily um. it was like um an abstract painting um where you're just kind of random symbols or something but together they they create a story and right. i think what she's doing is is something similar to that right so she's throwing out these phrases that are associated with americana right mm-hmm. so like Base- baseball football game. football concerts yeah. concerts and then and then communism fascism right. and you're so what what the listener is supposed to do at least what i was doing i don't know what you were doing when you were listening i was creating a story that right. was like, oh, like, I'm you want to have this, family. but you can't have right, that. Right. Communism, anti-American, you know. There it is. It's all together. There, there's a kind of, there's a kind of genius there. In I know a weird that's sort of that's, way. That's what I was saying. It's like it's it's a it's a. I mean, even to pick up on that clear association of the mark and so on. I mean, you got to have a certain background. You have to mm-hmm. have a certain cultivation, a certain education. For sure. To know about that, sure. it's not a formal education, perhaps mm-hmm. not not in the, mm-hmm. the university halls. Mm-hmm. Will you learn of the mark of the beast? You will learn it, you know, in the pages of scripture, in preaching, in the, popular culture. Probably on the interweb more well, been, than not. The thing about this mark of the beast, and here's here's my here's my question here as we as we we wrap this up. Why does this mark of the beast thing keep coming up? Does this have any sign of dying away, or is this just going to be a thing? Like, I mean, in and in that sense, regardless of what kind of highfalutin religious ideas you have about it being symbolic. Is this passage, I guess, in a sense, like true? It's real. Like it describes something that's really real. Well, I think you could answer that better than I could about I w- the I will. the the mark of the beast because, from my perspective, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> if it hasn't died out yet, yeah, it's not going. It's never, never anywhere. going anywhere. Oh no. Well, um, this is one thing that I'm like a broken record on is people underestimate or they don't they don't pay attention to the recreational value of conspiracy theories. It's just fun. Isn't it? It's fun to live in a world that's energized by this mystery and possibility. Oh, totally. I think that's how people feel about it. Oh, totally. And I think, and I think, regardless of one's religious orientation or how much further you wanted to take it, I think you would have to say, as just a reader of culture, that Revelation 13 and its description of the mark of the beast is at least true 
in the sense that it describes a kind of pattern of human experience and a world in which empires and people will try to shut each other out through mm-hmm. marks and badges of belonging or, 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 you know, what kind of rage against the machine fan hasn't felt like you were being forced to take some kind of mark or some kind of, and you say, no, I will not commit that idolatry. I will not go there. Right, I will right. not do that thing, you know? And, and I think the passage just speaks to that. It can speak to you in a secular sense or a spiritual one. But I think in that it's a very powerful, powerful text. I think that that's, that's a really great, way of explaining the enduring power of revelation because i think when when people hear someone like green marjorie taylor green is that what her yep. name um her using that language for these specific political ends it's mm-hmm. easy to i think read her back onto the book mm-hmm. and the book itself was created in a much different context right and so the apocalyptic imagination doesn't just energize groups in positions of privilege and power, like, you know, someone like a Marjorie Taylor Greene. It also energizes groups who are incredibly disempowered and who are experiencing extreme um, oppression, disease, war, you know? And so I think, yeah, I, I like that, that description of the book because I don't know, there's a re, I think it'll never go out of style, yeah. Revelation. So our, our admonition here is go back and, and you can read Marjorie Taylor Greene if you want, but uh, read the text too. Read it. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. We will normalize weirdness. But then it won't be weird. Yes, it will. <laughs> for extras on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes, don't forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. We're doing our own production these days and some of our own musical and voice flourishes but our official theme music is still and always will be by cassie blum our album artwork is by john williams when you podcast podcast with us bye-bye